Hey, Kai. Yeah. As you enter the tavern, you notice an inordinate amount of threatening men. I need you to roll perception. Okay. I got a plus to that. Uh, 13. All right. You're going to need a roll initiative there, buddy. Shit. That's right. This week and more on Acme Podcast Incorporated. Alvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. <laughs> just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just started. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host, Laser J, and with me as always is... It's Kai. What's up, everybody? Hey there, everybody. How y'all doing today? And I don't know why I paused for y'all to reply, but I hope you're doing good. We're, we're, trying, to pull, we're trying to do this new Dora the Explorer-esque interactive media scenario. Yep. Can you... T- <laughs> I can't even... I can't even come up with a bit. Yeah. I can't even follow that up. Yeah, let, let, let's just drop it then. Uh, so, yeah, uh, here we're going to play the preview for this week. Source of all power, crimson fire burning bright. Nice going, Presto. That's right. We're watching Dungeons and Dragons and Slayers. Yeah. Uh, the initial run of Slayers, not counting the OVAs associated with season one. Yeah, we're talking about specifically the original anime series, not any of the OVAs, not any of the subsequent series. Yeah, not, not Slayers R, not Super Slayers, Slayers Super, whatever. Slayers uh, Next, whatever. Yeah. Slayers Revolution. Yeah, whatever. We're we're not watching that. Just the Slayers, the original one. Uh, but the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from 1983 was it? Yes, 80, 1983. Yeah, it was eighty. Yeah, well, yeah, it was eighty-three. I thought. Well, I I knew it was eighty-three or eighty-four. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but before we get to any of that, we're just gonna you know we're gonna go through our weeks real quick. See if we had weeks. Uh. You have a week, Kai? Yes, I do. All right, fill us in. I've gone down an interesting rabbit hole the past couple weeks. Alrighty. Two different ones, but one I've already... Okay, one of them is a new rabbit hole. The other one is pre-dug out uh, for me, because I've already been down it. Okay. So, the would you like the new one or the pre-dug out one first? Dealer's choice. All right, the new one. So friend of the show, Kuiper Nebula. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how it happened, but we started talking about adventure games, like point-and-click adventure games, and then he started talking about Sam and Max. And I had never played any of the Sam and Max games, and he was like, you doing anything today? And I'm like, nope. And he owns all of the... Uh, not He doesn't own the original LucasArts game, but he owns the uh, Telltale 
mm-hmm. series that they worked on, and so we've been slowly making our way through every single episode of the Sam and Max Telltale Point and Click Adventure games, mm-hmm. and that's been a that's been a fucking trip. Because okay, Sam and at least I don't know about the the TV show or the the comic or whatever, but from what I've seen. Sam and Max, it's a JoJo situation. Mm-hmm. You know how when you tell tell someone about JoJo out of context, mm-hmm. and they're like, "There's no way that's actually what happened," but mm-hmm. it is actually what happened. That mm-hmm. that's basically what happened to Sam and Max. Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, for example, we were having one of our friends showed up because we were streaming in a a a, a server. And some people mm-hmm. just popped in and out, and someone just showed up. It's like, what are we doing? Oh, uh, there's this girl named Sybil. She's our friend, and she's gonna she's gonna be married. We're trying to get her to not marry Abe Lincoln's head. And they're like, what? Oh. It, and why is he ahead? Oh, because we blew him up when we were running for president against him. <laughs> and now he's just a stonehead. It's not even it's not even real like Abe Lincoln. It's just a stonehead. We see real Abe Lincoln as a zombie in the later series. It, and it's just. It, and they're just like, what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. It. It's a wild ride. Yeah. And it's not as um esoteric as some of the other adventure games I've ever watched. Like you know how some solutions are like I never would have fucking thought of that. How would I ever possibly solve that? Mm-hmm. With a with a couple of exceptions. Yeah. In Sam and Sam and Max specifically, like. Oh god. Having to like get past baby Jimmy Hoffa by making him drink more of the fountain of youth water. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I can just I can feel your soul like dying as I say those words. <laughs> I, I mean, I like Sam and Max. Uh-huh. I, I uh I'm not, I, I've never really played the games. I, I played a little bit of one at a friend's house when I was a kid. One of the old LucasArts ones. Uh, I saw a little bit of the cartoon at one point. I was curious, so I looked it up. Uh, but, yeah, no. Just Sam and Max, man. Sam and Max. Uh, I mean, all jokes aside, they are great. And they are really yeah. funny. At least one that we've played so far. Yeah, I mean, most of those things that started out as those old LucasArts adventure games were real solid. I, I remember yesterday you talking about you guys were working your way through uh, Monkey Island too. Yeah, that's the sort of the hole we've gone down. Is we were playing Sam and Max, and but someone else was watching with us, and they were like, "Well, they're not here right now, and we're not doing anything." You want and K and KP said, "Do you want to play any other adventure games?" And I'm like, "I've always kind of been interested in Monkey Island." Hmm. And so he bought the Monkey Island bundle on Steam. Nice. That's like the, that's like the first four games for like yeah. f- 15, 20 bucks. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. We already beat the remakes of 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And now we're going through 3. And honestly, I think 3 is my favorite so far, mainly because it's of its art style. Mm-hmm. It's like hand-drawn 2D animation. Yeah. Uh, and the writing is, I don't know, there's something about, I've, it's been non-stop chuckles the entire time. Also, I think I know who your favorite character would be immediately as soon as I played that game. 
there's I, a yeah okay. go go ahead go ahead in, in monkey island 3 there's a character who comes back later after monkey island 3 uh his name is murray the demonic the demonic, demonic skull mm-hmm and um and immediately i was like yep laser wrote this character I'll be real with you. I've tried multiple times again to Monkey Island. I just never could. Like, there's nothing in that game for me. It's. I just don't. I don't enjoy point and click games. That's a. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, You gotta really. KP called it um. uh, Moon logic. Mm. Really get into like. I've 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 basically been in this headspace for so long that I've actually started to figure out some of the puzzles without having to look it up, and I'm like, I'm scared. Because mm. my brain is starting to be programmed to start thinking, like, moon logic. I mean, most of those games are designed to be played without looking them up. Yeah, most of the time it's like... Some of them are like, how would I ever figure this out? And the answer is trial and error. Yeah. You would have just kept trying everything, and then you would have eventually figured it out. Yeah, it's the origin of safe scumming. Funny enough, the the original the, the original programming system for Monkey Island was called the Scum System. <laughs> uh, of course, there's all the LucasArts references everywhere. We've seen so many many Calavera skeletons mm. from uh, Grim Fandango. Yeah, and funnily enough, we ended up playing Grim Fan like someone we knew also had Grim Fandango, and we started <laughs> playing that too. Nice. I think Grim Fandango is probably one of my favorites. I really like Grim Fandango. It has a very neat style. Yeah, it's it's also like it's really interesting because it the style is very much like oh yeah, this is an old 3D game, but I don't. There's something about it has a the style much like Okami, yeah, where the the style kind of like supersedes the graphics. You know, like it, it mm-hmm. holds up way better because of its stylistic choices. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's not too much else to say about Monkey Island. Oh God, you know what? I'm not gonna even get into that. The ending of two was a fucking trip. It was a never-ending story situation. Mm. And I, it, it was, it was really wild. And me and Kate were like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> What even what? what? It, it was a wild ride. Um, yeah. But um, for those who want to like, you know, I'm gonna recommend somebody for those who have any interest in adventure games and just like the history of them and 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 not just you know even if you don't want to play them if you just find them interesting from an outside perspective. Uh, there's a YouTuber. Her name is Pushing Up Roses. She talks a lot about she talk once she talks a lot about mystery and horror things, like murder she wrote and like alone in the dark and stuff. But she also does a lot of like adventure game reviews. So if you've ever been like curious, just from like like oh what's this? But you don't want to play it. You're just like oh, what what's this about? You know. Hmm. Uh, it's really interesting. she does. It's also a secondary channel where she plays through the games. Oh so, yeah. She has a she has like a, a main channel where she does like the reviews, and she has like a second channel where I guess she makes her vods for her streams, probably, where you can see her playthroughs of the games that she nice. reviewed. Yeah. Um, and she has like 
I think my favorite reviews of hers are like she does like Murder She Wrote. Like she goes through a bunch of like all the weird episodes of Murder She Wrote, and there are some wild fucking episodes of Murder She Wrote. Murder She Wrote was Angela Lansbury was yeah yeah it it ran for so long that you know, yeah there's an episode where it's virtual reality. There's an episode where the dog is a killer. She gets wild. Yeah, she gets wild. But and that. Sorry to go off on that tangent, but... Um, no, it's okay. all good. The other hole, the pre-dug hole, is a hole that I've been trying to get you into as well. Mm. And that's Warhammer 40,000. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how it happened. Before you get into it, I yes. don't think you're going to get me down that rabbit hole, even after that- watching that those two videos you sent me. That's fine. That's fine. I don't... I'm not trying to... I don't think I'm ever trying to sell Warhammer 40k to people. I'm just trying to get people to understand why 40k is cool. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah. I already thought it was cool. It's just... Mm-hmm. I, I, I got... I only got so much brain space, dude. <laughs> no, the lore is bloated. And even I, yeah. as much as I know about 40k, I'm... I'm nothing. I've... I've... I'm on the... I'm still on the fucking... I'm not even at the mantle, man. I'm still at the crust. Yeah. Like their their entire channel entire channels dedicated to 40k lore. Yeah. Anyway, go on. But, With, um, uh, yeah. Yes, Warhammer 40,000. I'm again. I'm mostly sort of like a. I don't. I don't play the tabletop games. I don't. I'm. I just. I'm. I think the lore is cool. I think the miniatures are cool. I think some of the ideas in it are cool. It's it just like. I appreciate it out from afar, and I also I like there's a there was a, a YouTube channel that I watched. I went back and started watching some of their videos. They're called Mini War Gaming, mm-hmm. and they have an entire series where they just play Warhammer yeah. Two Thousand. You can just watch them play it. A tabletop like, let's play. Hmm. Sorry, I didn't hear what I didn't. I didn't hear what a, ta- a tabletop let's play. Basically, well, did you just watch them play uh, games of forty thousand, and yeah. some and sometimes they're big games, sometimes they're small games. They even have a bunch of like narrative campaigns mm-hmm. that they've made for forty thousand. Like they they've for a while it was just like here's a setup for why these characters are fighting, but now it's like we've got voice acting and shit. Oh shit! It's it's kind. Of, I'm like, wow, this is production. I haven't watched any of the newer ones where they've like we got voice acting and an actual story here. Mm-hmm. But, I'm like, that's super cool. So what what I'm hearing here is we're getting close to the day of uh, uh, actual play of Warhammer 40k podcast. God, no. <laughs> I'm not going to fucking not us. Me? Not us. But oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I no. mean, just that being out there in the world. There are Warhammer 40k uh, tabletop RPGs. Well, there's a uh, in- Inquisition, uh-huh. uh, which is where you play members of the uh, Inquisition. Yeah, the yeah, the uh, <laughs> the the Inquisition of um the human empire. Yeah, and it's mostly like political intrigue and like dealing with like inter like dealing with other humans as opposed to like the bigger stuff where like you're playing. And but there are RPGs where you can play space marines and okay. play monsters. Although I think that lends itself better to a war game because let's be real there's it, it, 
a most most um named characters in 40k are pretty milk toast. That's true. Um, but you know what? Okay, you know what kind of game I would want from 40k? What? I would want XCOM. But you play a bunch of Space Marines. Yeah, I I could I could see that. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't really done that. There are there's been similar ones, but I want like actually like XCOM, you know? Yeah, yeah, like like I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. There have been things like Civilization, or like Total War, you know, the Total Warhammer stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh. But XCOM is different from both of those. XCOM, uh, I mean, it, it's like it's like Fire Emblem. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. Not kind of. It's turn-based strategy with yeah, individual true. units rather than yeah, uh, big yeah. armies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could get into that where you play like a group, you just control a group of six to eight space marines and you go against, I don't know, fucking Terranids probably. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. It, it's like a half step between uh, a regular RTS and a MOBA, but it's turn based. Yeah, and you could definitely, I'm honestly surprised, you know what, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if someone was, if someone had, had made or was working on an XCOM mod that was. 40k. I'm gonna look that up right now. I wouldn't be surprised if someone was thinking about it because it, it kind of would be really cool. I think and it doesn't even have to be Terranids. It can be any. You could have like a bunch of different campaigns where you play different. Um, uh, uh, yeah, there's something called Armors of the Imperium release trailer for XCOM 2. Sick, sick. Uh, yeah, XCOM 2. Wizards of the Coast, Warhammer, or WOTC. I don't know what W... To me, Wizard WOTC is Wizards of the Coast. But Yeah, me too. Uh, Warhammer 40k mod. Okay, I might have to check that out later. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put the link in our thingamabob. But yeah, like you could probably have different campaigns where you play different Space Marine chapters and probably fight other you know, alien races like the Tau and Necrons and shit. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. I would. Okay, this is just me, but if you got to play as orcs, I would love it if orcs refused to take cover. Yeah. <laughs> like cover. The fuck is that shit? We don't need no cover. We the boys. We the orcs. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about 40k is it attracts certain people. Yeah, the same people who, uh, you know, are really into fascist shit. The same people, I mean, yeah, and they also don't get that they, that, it's a, that the Imperium of Man is an entire, is a, a, a parody. Yeah. And, it's, and peop, anybody, whenever you, here's, here's how you know that you shouldn't interact with a 40k fan is, when you say, oh man, my favorite faction is whoever in the whatever space marines and and then they say oh the good guys leave yeah there's no good guys in 40k 
No. Even the Tau, who are the least bad, yeah, they're the like, closest. But they're the cl- they're they're they're, oh, they're the only thing about the Tau is that they're basically like they think that their way of doing things is better than yours. Yeah, they're just nicer about it. Yeah. Don't don't be mad at the alien. He's too stupid. He he doesn't understand our other greater good. They're, Teach him how to understand the greater good. They're Come patronizing. Out. They're very patronizing. Yeah. And and they think their way is the best way. They got the cool Gundams. They do have the cool Gundams. The fucking Riptide suits. Yeah. Cool as hell. All their all their vehicles and like mech suits are like nautical names. Like their cruisers are called hammerheads. Hmm. And the their their smaller mech suits are called broadsides. Nice. Kind of cool. Yeah. So, you don't like the Necrons? I thought you were they're skeletons, so I just yeah. The, the Necrons are cool. I I don't know. I I'm just not super into any of it. That's fair. I like uh, what what's that group I said I liked. Oh, the Adeptus Mechanicus? Yeah, I think they're neat. Uh, yeah, again, they're cool. They're definitely the bad guys, but I think they're neat. I think their I, whole... Uh, yeah. I think the element they introduced to the lore is interesting. My favorite thing about the Adeptus Mechanicus is that, like... Like, we worship the Omnicide, and they're like, wait, isn't that heresy? Shouldn't we destroy them? No, no, they make our guns, though. Yeah. They make that, our guns, though. <laughs> that's specifically why I find them fascinating, because it's, like, the clearest, like, oh, these people are fucking hypocrites. Got it. Yeah, they're hypocrites. It's like, we can, we can, we can deal with heresy if they make our guns. Yeah. Huh. You know, whatever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Those who uh, defy our, uh, defy our god king. Who is a, a rotting corpse. Yeah. The sad rotting corpse of... Yeah. Any, that's enough Warhammer. That's enough unless Warhammer. You, unless you got something more to say. Nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, that's, just, gonna... that's, pretty, that's pretty much been me. Okay. And you? You got anything? Uh, yeah. Um, I've... I was watching uh, His and Her Circumstances, better known as Perry Kano. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I was watching it. Uh, I got up, I think, to like episode 17 or something like that. Uh, and I just sort of... <sighs> they introduced some plot elements that I just didn't like. Mm-hmm. So I dropped off it. Um, but up to the point that I watched, I really found uh the art style and the art direction and the animation really charming uh though i found the story itself to be just oh maybe it's a case where it created these tropes and these like cliches possibly but it it's just maybe a little too late for me to be able to appreciate those it mm-hmm. for those i guess but uh yeah that's all i really got to say about that uh that that's basically my week <laughs> oh you did nothing else 
Yeah, not really. Nothing worth talking about, I don't reckon. Did you did you want to go into detail about the plot point or just like nah? Uh yeah, sure, I'll voice my issues with it. Um so basically uh well I'll, I'll give a quick plot synopsis. Uh the main character I can't remember anyone's name in this. Don't worry, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. But the main girl, uh it's a shoujo. It's from a shoujo manga, so the main character ah. is a girl. Uh, oh, well, I mean, that's... No, no, I... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, she... Uh, she refers to herself in her head as the Queen of Vanity. Like, she puts on... The, like, she... Top of the class, best grades, uh, and, like, class rep. But she doesn't do it for the sake of doing it. She does it because she loves to be praised and she loves the attention and she loves to be doted on and she loves to be like respected and admired. Ah, queen bitch. Except not a bitch. Uh, she's never mean to anyone. She just deceives everyone about her personality. Oh. Like it, it's literally like she's not, she doesn't connive against anyone. She doesn't. She goes out of her way to help people because that adds to the effect of they admire her now, and that's all she wants out of them to be admired. So it's manipulative, but it's not really hurting anyone. It, it, it's a hustle. It's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. Um, and so, but she is pissed off because she's entering high school and. She wasn't chosen to give like the uh, the like the be the freshman representative. Ah, I see. Instead, uh, the, the there was a boy who like same grades as her, all that, and he was chosen. Mm -hmm. And uh, blah blah blah, whatever. They learn each other's secrets and they start going out. Uh, yeah. I don't need to worry about getting. If you want to know how it gets to that point, watch the fucking show. Yeah. Uh, and various things happen, and they decide together, you know, they're going to try to discover who they really are rather than the fronts they put up. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like, the girls in the class start realizing, oh, she's not as perfect, and we've been deceived, and blah, blah, blah. And this one girl is like, we should ostracize her, and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, they end up becoming friends shoujo manga yeah <laughs> i mean shonen manga does that too yeah well i mean uh-huh it does but it does it different because it's like not like i'm gonna make everyone else be mean to you it's i'm gonna fucking kill you so it, it's the same shit yes yeah, you you're right same shit but anyway anyway uh, they end up becoming friends, and it, it then it spends like the next couple episodes sort of expanding on the surrounding cast, expanding them, giving their stories, their circumstances. Uh -huh. uh, and the first part that gave me issues that sort of put me on the the first strike. We'll call it the first strike. I only gave it two strikes, though. Okay. Uh, the first strike was uh there's one girl who was also her like 
rival at first. She was friends with the the guy that mm-hmm. she's going out with, and she had a crush on him, and she's like pissed off that uh, he chose her instead. I see. Um, but you know, they make peace, they become friends, and uh, but she, interestingly enough, she's voiced by the uh, same voice actress as uh, Lena Inverse in the English dub. Oh, to tie into this one, so she gets typecasted as snotty little brats because that's what that character is. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I mean, what's her name? Hold on. I, I think Lisa I Ortiz has a yeah, voice yeah, profile, and uh, she does it very well. Yep. Anyway, uh. Anyway, her th- deal is basically she only has a she has a single dad, no mom. Uh, her mom died in childbirth, and so she's uh, very close with her father. And he's dating and trying to marry this woman, and she doesn't like that he's dating and trying to marry. Um, that old stereotype. Yeah. Uh, and. She eventually comes around to and accepts the woman, but the woman has a son and it never implicitly says that she's romantically interested. She just grows close with him. Hmm. But because it's like, maybe because it's a romance series at its core, it just kind of gives it that vibe that it has romantic developments more than just platonic developments. You know what I mean? I see. I see. Yeah, I don't know if you watch read a lot of shoujo manga or not. Uh, I've read some. Okay. Like I, I've re- like I read Fruits Basket. Yeah, I, I read a lot of shoujo manga, and there's a pretty common problem where every sort of relationship has a romantic feel to it. Oh, uh, okay. Because they're mostly romance series at their core. Yeah. And I guess I see this is where it's interesting because it's the reverse of the coin I have with Shonen series, where I'm like, how do people perceive Naruto and Sasuke as homoerotic? Ah. Or how do they perceive uh like any of the kids from Haikyuu as homoerotic or Ippo and Sendo, or Ippo and Miata, or anything. I mean, I know I... the. I can give you an answer to that. Go ahead. Okay, so the answer to that question is because of shonen series being. Okay, most shonen series have a lot of character development for its male cast. Yeah, not and a lot for mo- the female. And most of the really strong and well-written relationships are between male characters. Um. So, that is like, when your only well-written and well-developed relationship is between another male character, it just is like, oh man, this ship just writes itself. Um. That's it, and that's it. That makes sense. Yeah, the same thing happens with JoJo and every other predominantly male-focused you know, show. All right. Well, it, it, there, there are a lot of gay ships because 
the guys are the only ones who get any character development have any really relationships with other with other guys that makes sense that that really does make sense um but back to my point yeah but being yeah. uh so like i see it now but for most of my life i was like i never had a problem with it i just didn't really get it mm-hmm. um like i didn't perceive it that way ever um and that also kind of ties back into my I don't really like the rivals to lovers trope in general. Yeah, we talked about this last episode. Yeah, so we don't need to get into that thought again. Yeah, but yeah. um, I get you. I find that shoujo manga has the opposite where best case scenario, everyone's well developed. Mm-hmm. Often case scenario is main girl is kind of stereotypical to the genre but still pretty well developed but it all sort of fits within a cookie cutter mold yeah and maybe her romantic interest is well developed and maybe one friend and that friend's romantic interest and then everyone else is kind of not and worst case scenario is no one's really well development they just have cookie cutter molds without any real effort to fill the molds with barely enough dough to reach the edges of the cookie cutters. You know what I mean? Yeah, barely enough to even make a fucking cookie. Yeah. The bare minimum. Literally, considered a cookie. Literally just enough to push the plot forward. Yeah. But not to make it interesting. That's worst case scenario with shoujo manga, usually. Yeah. Um, and I really mean worst case scenario. I've only seen one or two series that I really feel that applies to, and I don't even remember their names. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. most you of the time don't, usually don't remember the bland ones yeah most of the time the main girl is well developed the main guy has less development but still enough uh his main like his main job is to just be appealing to the most amount of women that he can be yeah like pretty just much. from a pure cynical marketing perspective yeah, because you want to put the tar- your target female audience into the shoes of the main girl protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Um. So yeah, and this one, I feel like because they take the time, and I'm sure in the manga they took a couple. These easily took a couple chapters, whereas in the show it was like maybe an episode to focus on them. But it takes the time to focus on other characters and their situations and their wants and desires and their foibles. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really think it does good on that. But my second strike is that when it takes the time to expand on that girl in the main girl's class who sort of turns the other girls against her that she then becomes friends with. Uh, they're talking and she, it, she reveals that, uh, she's also in love and she's been dating this guy for a while and their first years in high school. So they're 15, mm-hmm. maybe 16 mm-hmm. and she's dating a 28 year old dentist. Ooh. Yeah. And Ooh. it's never and in that moment, like there's. The main girl doesn't react like a, how are you dating a 28-year-old dentist? It's just like, oh, that's 
Like oh. it, 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 it's just presented as normal, and I just sort of, Ugh. I stopped watching the episode. I deleted the bookmark from my bookmarks, and I was just like, yikes. "Yeah, I'm, I'm done." Um, Big I'm done. yikes! Yeah, I'm out. Lasers out. Yeah. That's... Uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, my main two issues were. Well, okay. Actually, one of the issues was more endemic of my issues with shoujo manga in general, which is because the focus of the story is romance, every sort of bond development feels like it has romantic undertones. Yeah. Uh, And so I can't... It never states that she has feelings for her brand new stepbrother. But it feels like that's where it's going if that's they the ever touch on it again yeah that's the implication yeah. yeah and it they're the same age uh she she's actually a couple months older than him or something like that so it's not like there's like a weird age gap or whatever but she is also very short mm. um she was created to be like a snotty little kiss uh, little sister archetype got it to the uh, main guy, bratty sis- sister. Yeah, because that—that's the relationship she had with the main guy. That you know of the story. Uh, yeah, he saw her as a little sister because she's physically small and she's a brat. Got it. Uh, but then it just sort of becomes like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's fine. No offense to short people, but. Tall people in, in, have no rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm under six foot, so. I'm also I'm like average height. Same. I'm five nine. I don't know. Five, five, five ten, I think. I'm shorter than you. By an inch. Still, that inch is. My dad was five ten, and I was a. It was a big difference. I'm barely five nine. Also, like I am. I mean, I'm barely 5'10", so... Okay, it's not that different then, really. But, yeah. Like, on a bad day, if my posture's particularly bad, I read as 5'8". Like, on a scale. Yeah. I've, I've had my measurements taken, like, three weeks apart at two different doctors. One said 5'9", the other said 5'8". Yeah, I hover up 5'9", 5'10". It's been a while since I actually last measured myself. Yeah. Uh... I need to work on my posture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, man, let's unite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that was your... And, <laughs> but that was your big strike, too, and you're like, well, I'm done. Well, no, the the, uh, the 28-year-old dentist was my strike, too, where I was... No, about, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, no. Uh, it's like... Go and unbookmark it forever, and then go wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me is like, do they ever deal with that? They do might. they ever fix that? Because there's, it's only like twenty six episodes, and it was seventeen, and I don't know how much of the series is going to be dealing with the other characters. Yeah, and if they never adjust it, then you. Yeah. <sighs> Like, if they actually addressed it and did it in an interesting and mature way, 
that would be neat. Yeah. Like the dentist is like, listen, you're a kid. This, this, well, no. <laughs> better than that, she realizes this is fucked up. Yeah, or like this, this guy's taking advantage of me. Yeah, I need to get I, out of this situation. I need to go, or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. Uh. But, but I doubt yeah. it. I doubt it did that. I it, also doubt that. Yeah. But you know. But yeah. Um. I got uh, Watch Dogs 2 on sale through the Humble Store. Oh, sick. Uh, got it for like, I think it was like 14, 15 bucks, something like that. Isn't the GOG sale, summer sale also happening right now? Uh, it might, but there's fewer G- games on GOG that I actually play. That's fair. Like, no, it's just, you just mentioned a sale. I'm like, oh, yeah, GOG summer sale is also happening. Yeah, it is going on, actually. Uh,. Don't know if there's anything you would want on there, but I just remembered. Yeah, um, possibly. None of this is in English. <laughs> oh, it's is it a bunch of? No, I mean the website isn't. I maybe it's in Polish oh. or something, but. Oh. Huh. Games. I'm gonna right. just go through Google, or I could just wait. I have the GOG Galaxy app. Huh. I could try through that. I, mean, I think TOG is a Polish company, isn't it? It is. It's owned by the same company. It, it's owned by uh, CD Projekt Red. Oh. Which is, okay. or they're owned by the same parent company or something like that. Yeah, yeah CD Projekt, like, that, that's owned by CD Projekt Red, and CD Projekt Red is owned by the same, it's like the parent company. Yeah. Or some shit, I don't know. Something like that. Everybody uh, is owned by somebody else. Yep. Oh, I have one other piece of news. My fucking scroll wheel broke today. <laughs> oh, on your mouse? Yeah, on my fucking mouse. And it's so f- fucking annoying. Yeah. I need to get a new mouse. I've just been using my fucking trackpad, and that's... Mm. I need to get a new mouse. There? Yeah, there's a lot of... There's some stuff that's interesting on here, of the sale. Um, the Complete Dishonored. Oh. Uh, for like twenty four bucks. Hmm. Sick. Uh, Greedfall, which is a game I've already played, which is very good. Uh, going for a bit of that uh Dragon Age uh, Bioware feel. Ah. Oh. Uh, Prey Digital Deluxe is there for twelve bucks. Metro Exodus Gold Edition thirty. Dragon Age Origins for five bucks, which is a really good wow. deal. That's a steal. Yeah. Uh, well, the retail value is twenty, so it. But it's still really good. That's still a good. That's still really good, though. And it's the ultimate edition, so it's all the DLC, the Awakening expansion. That's a really that's good like, deal. That's seventy-five um, percent off. Yeah. A lot of people will disagree with me on this, but I really believe it's the best game in the series. Hmm. Uh, I, have, most, I have no. I, I know no you have. This race. I know. I know. Uh, let me just speak my piece. Um, right. It's all good. It's all good. Um, a lot of people will argue for Inquisition because Inquisition, it's mechanically better. 
Um, Origins is very slow. Everything feels slow. Movement feels slow. Combat feels slow. The story has some pacing issues. Um, But I still think the story in it is better than 2 or Inquisition. I see. I like the characters that you're with more than the ones in two or inquisition and i really like the origin system where you get a different uh prologue depending on your origin whether you're a dwarf noble or a dwarf peasant or a human noble or uh, a, a mage or an elf um you, you play through different origins and i really i was really sad when they dropped that system from the sequels hmm. uh two though is my favorite from the series um origins had a good map size inquisition had much too large maps in my opinion um the world was just way too way too fucking big and traversal was not fun too much too Too much. much yeah um inquisition probably had the best story honestly um i just prefer origin's story uh, two really tightened up the combat, made it more fun and fast. Um, and it was a much smaller world than Origin. But the main thing that I feel like people had against it was that it was much smaller. Mm-hmm. And also that it just reused the same like four dungeons. Oh, okay. But you would like enter from different points, but they were geographically separate locations. I see. Yeah. Um, I was frustrated with that at first, but the further I got into it, I was like, well, I never feel lost. I know my way around here, even from this different angle. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to get to that room. Okay. I know exactly where to go. It, it, it removed a bit of stress because a lot of the times what kills a game for me is when I start to feel like I have no idea where the fuck I'm supposed to go. Yeah. I have no idea how to get there. That I, I got that in fucking Bioshock, and I never went back to it. Uh, that's Dragon Age. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, Off of that see. tangent. Oh, destroy all humans. Well, it sounds sale though. Oh, pity. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, shopping later. Ooh, Wolfenstein two pack. Ooh. What is this? What games is this? It's the New Order and the Old yeah. Blood. Oh. How much? Uh, $9. Sick. Yeah. Down from 30 That That's a good deal. All right. So that's, I was thinking about playing this, actually. Ah, the Old might be Blood. A good t- might, might be a good time to pick it up. Yeah. Nine ninety nine, shit. Yeah, old blood is the. What's this? Oh, okay. yeah. It's... Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, that's that's my week. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. quiet. Uh oh, finally got the uh, Florida unemployment system website to work for me, so I finally applied for that. Oh, finally, jeez. Yeah, it. I got fired on March. The end of March, and 
It took till now, the, like the last day in May, to get that website to work. Yeah, I, I heard about how Florida's unemployment system was really fucked. Yeah. Compared to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, DeSantis. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not fond of DeSantis. I don't like him. But I don't think he had any direct input on it. I mean... I heard it had come out that he they they fudged some of the unemployment stuff to make it seem like there was less unemployment. But I don't know how much he was involved in that. Hell of a thing. Hell, Hell of, a thing. of a thing. But we're not a pull. We're not. Don't don't take our word for it. Go look that up yourself. Yeah. We have. We're just guys on the internet. Yup. Read multiple sources and then form your own opinions. Yup. Anyway, uh, mm, that's all I got. Yep. Um, We've only got one upkeep this week. There's no Owl House. It's still on mid-season break. Uh, We finished Azokin last week, uh, though that show ended a good time before then. Uh, But we're finally getting to talk about the most recent DuckTales episode, uh, Rumble for Ragnarok. Points at the WrestleMania sign. Yup. Uh, so this will be a real quick upkeep because it's just that one episode. Uh, apparently, but it's it's, it's a, a fun episode. It's a really good episode. Apparently, Ducktales seems to have gone on its mid-season break as well. <laughs> and what an episode to go out on! Yeah, <sighs> man, it's. It's Sorry. a wrestling episode. Hell yeah, it is. I love Launchpad's like. Clearly, Jorman Gunder is the ba- is the ba- is the baby face of the <laughs> the baby face of this of this federation. Well, we're well, Uncle Scrooge is playing the evil heel. I watch a lot of wrestling. We're in Launchpad's world now, baby. I I love Scrooge's heel persona. Yeah. He's, it's, oh, it looks like he's collecting back taxes. <laughs> it's straight out of the WWF. Like, 80s WWF. It's... I'm sure there was a guy that, whose whole deal was that. Uh, there had to have been, right? Or at I mean, least there, there was a couple, right? like, different... Wasn't there, like, uh... Mr. Yeah, wasn't there bag the, or something the, like that? Or Million the, Dollar? The, the Accountant? Account, yeah, something like that. There was someone whose whole deal was, "Look how much money I got." I mean, that's kind of Flair a little bit. Woo, woo! Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that joke's only for us and the wrestling fans. Yeah. Oh, come on, Ric Flair has to have per- pervaded into the the zeitgeist. Well, yeah, the zeitgeist. I mean, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. It, we got another... We got another... Uh, it's been a while since we had a Dewey-focused episode, actually. It, it's... It's much more Dewey, but it's also a little Huey. Cause, it's a little Huey. Just because we're seeing him confronted first time with something he doesn't know anything about. Yeah, and that's super interesting, I think. Yeah. 
in, in the same way that the uh, underground episode was also kind of a Huey episode. Yeah. That it, it was his science versus Webby's magic. Yeah. Uh, um, it was also just like... I think my favorite part of this episode was actually near the end when Dewey and Huey were both, have, were both being really down. And Louie was the one who came in and was like, bro, come on. Yeah. It... it I don't know. I just really like that because Louis is never the one to do that, and it, I think it's like, oh, this is a really good example of his character development. Yeah, he um, he doesn't get to be the caring one very often, though he is very easily the most sensitive one. I think. Yeah, uh, which is established in the way he dealt with Della coming back. Yeah, he he puts on the strong front, but inside he's the most yeah em- emotionally you know sensitive. I I think he's simultaneously the most like Donald and Scrooge. Yeah, well, each of the boys inherited one of Scrooge's aspects, basically. Yeah, but I think I think it's funny that he is the most common with both of them. Is the thing? Yeah, totally. Like each yes, each of the boys. Huey's smarter than the Smarties. Dewey's got the the penchant for adventure, and Louie's got the fiscal wisdom. Yeah, but he's also got like he gets frustrated. He doesn't quite have the Donald rage, but he is the one who gets frustrated the most. No, you know who inherited the rage. Huey. Yeah. Remember in the episode with Della where they were playing the video game together? Yeah. That's that's where he that's that's where the rage went. <laughs> yeah, it did. Though honestly, I think I you can't really inherit something from your uncle like that. I mean, you kind of can. It it's it's, you know, the whole idea of inheriting something from families is a weird idea, anyway. Yeah, it it is more of a personality trait than a something that's like hard coded into you. That is, yeah, yeah. There's an entire conversation to be said about how you know nurture versus nature is a very yeah interesting conversation. Uh, but that's a, that's above our pay grade. I mean, I have that conversation with my mom all the time, but it comes up more because I'm adopted, I guess. Ah. Because uh, it's interesting how I've taken on certain things from my parents that uh, my like my older siblings didn't take on from dad or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, that that's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't have, the funny thing is, is while I really liked this episode, there's not too much to say about it. Yeah, um, it kind of stands on its own. It's just character growth and filler. Yeah, it's filler, but it's fun. It's the right type of filler because it's character growth. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I did like Mrs. Beakley showing up at the end and saying, I'm the shield maiden. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a very it, good wrestling persona. 
Anytime Mrs. Beakley gets to fight, I am all about it. What was Launchpad's? Captain Crash. <laughs> that was Launchpad Wrestling Persona, uh, Captain yeah. Crash. Yeah, I good. really... I really wish that Louie and Huey had into. I wish that Webby had put on a wrestling persona. It Man. would. It. I think it would have been a bit out of character for her. Yeah, it would have been, but I would have liked to have seen her just do it, just because you know. That's true. It would have been fun. It would have been fun, but it would have been a little out of character for her. I think. I. I really like the way she acted throughout the episode. Is the thing I like how. She was just herself in the ring. And I think there's something to that. Yeah. It it kind of is undercutting the thing with Huey where it's like you're it, where Louie was like, just do just feel like sometimes you don't have to think. Just say what comes to your mind. And this is one of those situations where you just gotta do it. Because wrestling yep. is dumb. Yup. Just, just literally say the first thing that pops into your head. Yup. Oh my god, there's people in there, JR! There's people in there! <laughs> the inhumanity! Uh... Okay, this is a side if I ever this is a side tangent, but ever I ever told you my favorite moment in all of wrestling. Please, please share with the class. Okay, this was um Oh man, I don't wanna know when this is, but it was, it was I think it was uh Summer Royal. It was like the, the big Royale. In summer the Slam. Summer. It was Summer Slam. And this was when... Uh, oh, fuck, who was the champ at the time? What year? Do you know what? It doesn't matter. Who Whoever was the champion doesn't matter. It was, it was Okay, it was Summer Slam. And at the time, the current champion... Uh, at, at some point during the year, he had quote-unquote killed the Undertaker... And he he had just won SummerSlam, and it was like, yeah, we did it, we did it. And everybody was cheering, and just bringing him up and like lifting him in the air. And then suddenly the the lights went dim, and it was like, what's going on? What's happening? And then like the bells started playing, and the guy's like, let me down, let me down, let me down. And he just gets it at the edge of the ring. He's like, no, no, it can't be. And the fucking choir comes in the guys in robes like ha ha hee ha <laughs> doing this whole fucking bit and like the, the the coffin is slowly rolled in and then it's like he's like no I can't believe it no it's not true and then the coffin slowly lifts up and like lightning strikes it and explodes and Undertaker just kicks it kicks out of the fucking grave <laughs> and just slowly strides up and just everybody's like what the fuck? And they all try and stop him, and he's just like, bam, 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 and just takes out everybody. Oh, it's so fucking dumb. I. Uh huh. I do rather enjoy the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, he is a little played out. He's not quite as good as he used to be. I mean, he's old. Yeah, and also he's, him as a yeah. person is kind of. Mm. Yeah, well, that's most wrestlers, unfortunately. Yeah. For the most part. You you either die a hero, or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I feel like there's a couple that 
are safe bets. Oh yeah, no, there's a couple. I'm not saying they're not. Yeah. But um, I mean, my Undertaker was one of my favorite wrestlers, but my favorite wrestler of all time is Macho Man. Macho Man, yeah. He uh, oh, yeah. He he didn't get to live long enough to become a controversial figure. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike a certain other. Yeah. But I, anyway. I hate how good that certain other's theme is. Yeah, I also hate that. I always get it stuck in my head for fucking days. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. That's our upkeep. Yeah, that's it for upkeep. And a little wrestling tangent, which is connected. <laughs> it's related. It's not a complete tangent. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, take... yeah, that's that's that. That's DuckTales. That's our upkeep. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a quick break real quick. And when we get back, uh, roll initiative. We're jumping into Dungeons & Dragons. See you then. On to our show. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride! Wow! Neat! Give me a break. I don't like and welcome back, everybody, to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. I'm your host, Laser J, joined by Kaiju Emperor, as always. Uh, and hey. I hope you got your uh, player's handbook because it's Dungeons and Dragons time, buddy. Yeah, Dungeons. This is such an. In this was one of the shows that was like the one of the first ones I wrote down that I wanted to do for this show. Yeah, it's. I was honestly surprised that you were so gung ho about it because it never looked worthwhile to me. I've just always kind of been just interested in it. Like, I don't know. I want to know what the deal is. You know what I mean? You see, I, I took one look and I just immediately said, this is going to be horrible. It's not even worth yeah. our time. No. Uh, but it, it's better than I thought it was. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah, it's... F the thing that I found most surprising was that it's actually pretty accurate to what it feels like to play Dungeons & Dragons sometime. Yeah. Specifically, like, frustration with your party members, frustration with the DM, frustration with the setting. Mm -hmm. uh, these are things every player, I'm sure, has felt at one point or another. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, you, you do your little rundown that we always do. Oh, yeah. the So, the series was originally released in... Uh, 1983, and it's of course based off of TSR Dungeons and Dragons. It was actually co-produced by Marvel, which isn't surprising considering Marvel also wrote the script for the Transformers cartoon. Yeah, they wrote the original concept because when Takara Tomi wanted to make, a, you know, and Hasbro wanted to do the thing, like, hey, can you write us a an idea for the actual plot of the show? But anyway, uh, and so they worked together with TSR 
uh, and it ran for three seasons on CBS for a total of 27 episodes, and all the animation was done by uh, Toei Animation. Uh, and there's not uh, any other, like... The weird thing about this show is, um... Because this was at the... This was at the, well... I say the height, but at the first, the first height of the, the first wave, I call it the first wave of Dungeons and Dragons popularity, because we're, we're currently in the middle of another one. Yeah, we're, this is, I would say, the Roman Empire, the classic era of D&D. This is the Gygaxian era. Yeah. Um, however, we're also like, 1983 we're smack dab in the middle of satanic panic yeah big time so like, see, this was th- this isn't even the start of it because i'm pretty sure that started what mid 70s yeah it um it started around mid 70s late 70s yeah somewhere around the rise of heavy metal i'd say yeah and that was when i don't know if it was in because it wasn't an advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but when third edition Dungeons and Dragons came around, that's when they changed them from demons to Tanari. Yeah. And and then eventually they brought back the term demon and devil. Well, yeah, because fucking pe- satanic panic ended, except for the rare breed. Yeah, the rare breed. But um, anyway, there's not. Uh, but what I was gonna say was, is that, like I said, this is the height of Dungeons and Dragons, but. And there were Dungeons and Dragons toys made, but they were based on Dragonlance. Funnily enough, there were no toys made for this show. That's unsurprising. Like, I don't. I'm. I'm kind of shocked that there were no toys made for this show. It like it just is kind of surprising. I, but there was already a Dungeons and Dragons toy line out. You know, you had War Duke and all them. Yeah, yeah, the, um, the Dragonlance stuff. Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't closer tied to that mm-hmm. uh like i'm surprised war maybe we just never got to see it but i'm surprised we never saw war duke in any of the episodes we watched oh uh this show ran for three seasons between 83 and 85 uh the third season was very short it seems like it didn't get a full yeah. shot it um, got it literally got canceled right before the final episode was gonna come was yeah gonna air. and uh we only did, uh, because it has a lot of episodes, we only did top 10. Uh, I'm going to read off those episodes before we get back into the conversation. Sure. Uh, and these are not in the ranking orders according to IMDb. These are just the chronological order of how they aired or how they're supposed to be aired. Uh, we have Season 1, Episode 4, Valley of the Unicorns. Season 1, Episode 6, Beauty and the Bog Beast. Season 1, Episode 7, Prison Without Walls. Season 1, Episode 9, Quest of the Skeleton Warrior. Season 1, Episode 10, Garden of Zin. Season 1, Episode 11, The Box. Season 2, Episode 1, The Girl Who Dreamed Tomorrow. Season 2, Episode 3, City at the Edge of Midnight, which is such a good name. It's so fucking metal. It's a metal album. It, it, like, metal it, album. it should be like Manila Road. City at the yeah. end of midnight. Uh, great. It should be a Dio track. Dio or, uh, like I said, Manila Road. Uh, yeah, Manila Road. Season 2, Episode 5, Day of the Dungeon Master, which I think is probably one of my favorites uh, from what we watched. And then the last one is Season 2, Episode 7, The Dragon's Graveyard. 
Um, and we also, uh, based, essentially, because this show never got its full ending, but the original writer actually wrote a script for the final episode, Requiem, yeah. and on the release of the DVDs, there's a special feature where they turned that final episode script into a radio drama for the final episode. Yes, and, and we, we did, did we, listen and, to we, that. We we listened to that as well, so we we know we've. I think we got a good sample size. Yeah. Here. It. Um. Uh, yeah. yeah. God, where do I be, where do I begin? Where do we fucking begin? I think one of my favorite aspects of the show is the setting. Yeah it it's not quite any other. Uh, it, it's not Forgotten Realms. It's not Dragonlance. It's very much just generic fantasy. It it comes off as like the the weird fantasy slash classic sword sorcery shit, like Wheel of Time. Yeah, and Conan the Barbarian. You know. Yeah. It also and- just because some of the creature designs, it kind of reminded me of uh, Gummy Bears. Yeah, I feel ya. I feel ya. But, uh, mainly, I like this, I did like the world. Uh, there was a lot of really cool and interesting, like, set pieces, so to speak. Yeah. In the show, like, some of the, some of the designs for, like, the castles and, like, the backgrounds and stuff. There was a lot of cool shit in there. Yeah. And that's probably one of my favorite things about it. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things about it is that it closely mirrors my favorite style of campaign where you're just wandering heroes. Like, you have a goal, but you're never in the same place for long. Yeah, you're just wandering around. Yeah, I, that, that's my favorite type. It, it took me a long time to get used to the more modern style where it's like, you're in a location, you're working for this guy or this agency or something, which... In the last 10 years or so, that's most of the campaigns I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind it. It just took me a couple minutes to like acclimate to it. You know what I mean? I would love to do a, a campaign that was like, you have an end goal. Like you're trying to get from point A to point B and you're just wandering. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it lends itself to just doing weird episodic shit. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, so that that's what I think this show does really good. Yeah. Uh, I really like the setting. I like the concept. It's an isekai. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally just an isekai. It, it, I love saying that. I love saying that this Western... Things are... I, yeah, I just like saying things are isekais. I, it feels like a phrase that's going to piss off people, and I, but no one... It, It'll piss off people, but no one can be actually offended by it. Yeah, pretty much. It it's like I don't like saying offensive shit. I really don't. I strive very hard not to. Because I don't like offending people. And I just it's wrong. Like it on an ethical level. That's why I don't like it. But God, I love I love pushing people's buttons. Yeah. And I love finding ways to do that in ways that will result in the harm- 
yeah harmful like my favorite reaction is like oh you reaction i yeah. i live for that shit yeah that, yeah this is straight up an isekai it's even more of an isekai because it's an actual game like that we can play you know it's dot hack before dot hack it's dot hack before dot hack <laughs> although the original isekai was uh wizard of oz yeah oh yeah <laughs> got him no there has to have been something before even that maybe i don't know if alice came first alice definitely did alice came for four wizard yeah Probably. wizard came around the dust bowl yeah yeah so alice in wonderland was the first isekai yeah i'm thinking there's probably something even earlier than that though um alice, alice was like 1800s right yeah late 1800s i feel like there has to have been something earlier than but they're like the oldest ones i can think of are wizard of oz uh alice in wonderland and lion witch in the wardrobe lion witch in the wardrobe's later than both of those though yeah it is but i mean those are the oldest ones i can think yeah. of. yeah i mean oh a fucking um uh a, a southern gentleman in king arthur's court yeah that that's definitely by, what... by mark twain yeah okay I don't know if that's before Alice, though. I don't know. I mean, it was it was written by Mark Twain, so it might be. Probably, yeah. Mark Twain. Mm. I don't know. But anyway, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought to look into. Um, it is. So, um. So yeah. Okay, I would. Sorry. Before we before we get into more detail, I do want to. I have a list mm-hmm. of all the monsters I recognized. From okay. Dungeons and Dragons, What's at up? least in the episodes we show, in the Beauty and the Bog Beast, the monster that the gnome gets turned into is a shambling mound. Oh, because shambling mounds are giant plant monsters that actually get healed by lightning, which they found out when Hank tried to shoot it, the arrow at it. Um, and then they also the the shambling mound saves them saves them from a bunch of violet fungus. And we also saw some Bullywugs. Yeah, we uh, saw Bullywugs. In uh, Garden of Zen, the Purple Worm. The Purple Worm. Yep. And we also saw some Hook Horrors in uh, the uh, City Beyond Midnight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those, those are just straight-up Hook Horrors. And, and and the last one is those big um, Hornet Monsters or Chasmate Demons, I think. I think anyway they look like Hasma demons, but I'm not too sure. But those are all the ones I reckon. Oh, and Corp. I mean Tiamat, obviously, but like Tiamat's more than just a monster. Tiamat. Yeah, no, she's she's kind of like she's simultaneously overplayed and underplayed because like it's like in this show she's just oh she's the most powerful dragon in all the land. In the game, she's literally the goddess of evil dragons. Yeah. So I, don't I, I don't think they wanted to get into the concept of gods and demons too much. Yeah, probably probably for the best. Like, the only example of demon is Shadow Demon. Yeah. Who is also an actual Dungeons & Dragons monster. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let, let's just go over the cast real quick. You got Hank the Ranger. Your, uh, your Hollywood Chris, so to speak. Blonde hair, blue-eyed leader. 
yeah. he'd be played by either Chris Pines or Chris Hemsworth or Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Uh, Eric, the Cavalier. Yeah, he's the regimental of the group. He's the comedic relief. He's that too. He's the comedic relief. He's also the one that complains the most. Yeah, like I said, the regimental. Yeah. And then Diana, the acrobat. Yeah, Diana the acrobat, which is not an actual class, but whatever. Yeah, that's the one that was... People, I mean, well, Cavalier was actually a class. Later. It was a it was a prestige class for Paladin. But not in the first release. That... It might have been an it might have been an AD and D. Maybe. Either A D and D or second edition. Well A D and D is second edition. That's advanced dungeons. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm a dumb. But anyway. Okay. That's fine. Uh, you got Presto. Presto the Magician, Sheila the Thief. Uh, Bobby and the Barbarian. Bob. And their animal buddy, Uni. Yeah, which is the most annoying character. Voiced by Frank Welker. Frank Welker. Oh, their enemy is Venger, voiced by Peter Cullen. I didn't know it was Peter Cullen, man. Yeah, that... when It, it doesn't sound like him. He really... No. He morphs his voice, and then they do some effects on it. It's very clear that they I... do. It makes makes me really wish he would do more villains. Yeah, it's pretty rare for him to do villains. He's done a couple over the years, uh, but I can't really think of who they are. He's probably my favorite performance in this. Venger gets some of the best lines. Venger and Eric get some of the best lines. Yeah, yeah. As much as Eric complains, he is funny sometimes. Yeah. Like, I actually got a chuckle yeah. occasionally. But the joke that made me laugh the most was in um, Quest for the Skeleton Warrior. When uh, Presto tried to get rid of him and he pulled out a phone. He's like, it's your mom! <laughs> and he just like grabbed the phone and shattered it. Yeah. It's really fucking good. Although, you know what's really weird? What's up? Is um, Presto is the only one who's never called by his fucking real name. Like, that's his nickname? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, apparently, like... I don't remember. This revealed in somewhere that he, the, what his real name is. It's something like it, it's City After Midnight. Oh no, it, his real name. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think it was. It, it, was it might have been City After Midnight. Maybe, maybe. Because it has that kid from the real world who's like, ah, this is all just a dream. I really like that, by the way. Yeah, that. It was a good. Uh, that's actually probably one of the more enjoyable episodes it's it's easily my favorite episode uh, is the city beyond midnight you know another villain that uh that uh peter collin voiced who he was clar in uh megas xlr oh yeah he was wasn't he yeah sorry anyway um yeah oh his real name was preston Preston, right? But he and he and when he was from the human world, he did a lot of magic tricks. So people just called him Presto. Yeah, Presto Changeo. Yeah, Amazio. But um, going back on the city of midnight, it, that episode rules. <laughs> its concept is so fucking interesting. 
like all these kids being captured from all these other places and like having to hold back this clock from turning back to, from turning to midnight. It's very the interesting. Can, the demon can reign forever, and the city that they're inside of, and all the demons that are in there. It's yeah. really fucking cool. It it's just a cool name. It's a cool concept. It's a cool scenario. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It. it this cartoon was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. There, also there was some. This is one of those things where I feel like if this show were done now, there could there could be so much potential for character development because there oh, are yeah. hints of it. Yeah, there are hints of it there here. Really, there, you kind of as in the episodes we watched, you kind of see this growth of Hank to where he's angrier and angrier. Yeah. And uh, also, just like real, also, I love that Hank's fear is that he's a bad leader. Yeah, he doesn't want to just he. He's such a like a Boy Scout uh, quarterback type. You know what I yeah. mean? Clark Kent. Yeah. Except you know, but the uh, the what I was gonna say was is the the character development thing is there's a a bit in City at the Edge of Midnight. Where, and and in in a show that was made now, this would have been explored a little more. Where they meet the um, I forget his name, the the caravan owner, who's also the the king or whatever. Oh and yeah, he, he treats them really well, and it's like he kind of reminds like they just like he treats them like children, yeah. like for the first time in forever. Yeah, it's like we've been going through this world basically almost dying, and for the first time ever, a parent figure actually treats us like children, yeah. as opposed to Dungeon Master who just talks in riddles. Yeah, he and... was an interesting character. Uh, yeah, he was an interesting character. And there's this line that Eric says that he says it's better than my old man, that's for sure. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like we could have done something with that in a show that was made now. Yeah. Uh, th this show deserves a reboot. I think more than some of the other shows, like... Thundercats didn't to... really need a reboot. N no, but... Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not uh, gonna get into that. Yeah, well, no, no, no. I want to for a minute. Um, okay. For my point. Sure. The original Thundercats really did hold up, I think. I've gone back to it a couple times, and I've enjoyed it as much as I did when I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, the 2011 reboot was fantastic. Yeah, it's just they gave it a shitty time slot. Yeah, they gave it a shitty time slot, and then they just decided yeah. the toy sales aren't worth it, so we're not, aren't, don't like justify it, so canceling it. Thundercats mm -hmm. Roar, I still just... It's bad. I am of the mind that I don't have a problem with the Teen Titans Go formula. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in Teen Titans Go. I think like there's some genuinely funny moments. It's just the sequel no one wanted, and Thundercats Roar is the reboot no one wanted. Yeah. Um except maybe the people making it. Um and and it was at a base level 
an executive decision to prioritize making something kids will like because that's the audience they care more about getting. Uh, Which isn't inherently bad. No, I I would say it's not bad. Um, I, I have seen clips of Thundercats Roar. I haven't watched a full episode. I thought it's perfectly charming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have anything against it, but I'm also the mind. It doesn't really need to exist. It doesn't have to be Thundercats. You could do a lot of these jokes with an original property. Totally, but it doesn't have the brand recognition. Yeah, or you could do it with literally any '80s cartoon. Pretty much, you could have uh, done this with GI Joe. Could have done it with GI Joe. Could have done it with uh, Transformers. You could have done it with. Uh, Conan the Adventurer. <laughs> Literally anything. He-Man, anything. Could could have been anything. I, yeah, it could have been anything. Yeah. Um, but I think the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon deserves a reboot. Yeah, it has potential. I and... don't mean a new Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. I literally mean bring back Hank, Eric, Sheila, Presso, Diana, and Bobby. Yeah remake this show but like better yeah don't update it too much like i don't mean like 30 years later they've no no, no, no i get yeah you. you want you just want like a straight remake yeah um modernize but... it yeah modernize it um i was give diana a girlfriend <laughs> yeah give diana a girlfriend exactly uh... um the um the uh the thing that i we i actually had a because i was watching this show as i was talking with people and I, I, we we got into a conversation about the show and i i expressed this opinion as well that i'm surprised we haven't gotten either a reboot of this show or a new dungeons and dragons cartoon um we're getting a critical role show i know but you know what i well, mean right no but my train of thought was dungeons and dragons wizards of the coast particularly has seen that they don't need to spend any money to get good press for the game. They really don't. Uh, because A, it's an institution at this point. B, you've got Critical Role. You've got the Adventure Zone. You've got Harmon and, Quest. And dozens of other great D&D podcasts. Dozens of other great ones, but those are the big three. Well, Harmon Quest I don't think is as big nowadays. No. But Harmon Quest had an animated component at the time. I would have loved Harmon Quest if it weren't for the style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but anyway. I never actually got into Harmon Quest. Uh, I was like, I like Dan Harmon because I like Community and I like Rick and Morty, kind of. Um, I like Dan Harmon in general, so I feel like I would like Harmon Quest, but I just... Oh, Acquisitions Inc. That's the other one. Acquisitions Inc. Yeah, that's another big one. So... To do this show, Wizards of the Coast would have to spend money. Meaning Hasbro would have to spend money. And Hasbro doesn't seem to want to do that on anything other than toys. You could sell toys of this, is the thing. Oh, you easily. absolutely could, but they don't want... I think we would see officially licensed through Hasbro action figures of the Trace Horny Boys, uh, the Critical Role crew. God, I would love that. I would and buy the a, shit out of those. Yeah, I, okay, here's the thing I gotta say. I don't yeah. think that's gonna happen. It but, won't, 
I think that's way more likely to happen than a D&D cartoon and D&D action figures. Yeah. Um the Yeah. But we 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 were talking about that and then someone was like if we're doing if this show is semi episodic, it would lend itself to guest stars. Imagine having like Griffin McElroy or Matt Mercer show up as like a guest star in one episode. That would be fun. Uh I I would I would just like to have Griffin McElroy be the dungeon master. Griffin McElroy as the you know who could show up as Garfield the Deals Warlock. <laughs> uh, Garfield the Deals Warlock. I, I feel not. like they Probably would have not. to modify Griffin McElroy as Garfield the Deals Warlock. Yeah, that would be fun. I feel like they would have to change Garfield. They, they would have to change it to like Garf or Gar. Garf the Deals Warlock. Yeah, something along just those to lines. make it legally distinct. Yeah, like this thing. Um, there was a point I did want to make about um Diana. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how kind of amazing it is that we have in an '80s cartoon a female black main character? Like that's rare even now. <laughs> yeah. That, like, I mean, I'm that, not, I'm that... not, I'm not. You know, it's just, it's just kind of interesting. It is. Um, I, I, you know, it's. It didn't strike me as. I mean, well, I'm thinking this is also sort of the. This is like the beginning of the uh, big push in children's cartoons to have multicultural casts. Yeah, but uh, it didn't feel as forced as other ones. Yeah. No. Well. Also, she's the only one who's not white. <laughs> So it, it, yeah, it doesn't feel it, it doesn't feel like the Planeteers where they're all from different countries. Exactly. Uh, I mean, she is she's still technically a token black character, but at the same time, for an eighties cartoon to have a female black character it, as a main character is kinda wild. Yeah. Uh don't want to downplay that in any way. I just also, you know, it it didn't strike me because I was Yeah. You know, Captain Planet's the one that comes to mind, but there's a lot of cartoons that did that sort of thing. You could even say Conan the Adventurer did that a little bit, but it was a yeah. black man, not a black woman. But yeah, uh, uh, we to get more into the other specific things in uh, in episodes that I liked. Um, if we, unless you had something broad, more broader strokes to say, uh, well, on that same point that we were just talking about. Honestly, I'd be way more surprised in a show from between like 2000 to like 2010. Yeah. Because yeah. there it got real homogenized. They sort of saw it as cliched and tried, I think, at that point, And then they just stopped trying. And that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, 83 was like at the beginning of the push for that. Yeah. The the other one that I think of is Power Rangers. Power Rangers is another one, yeah. Teenagers with Attitude. Yep. Uh, yeah, but uh, so anyway, you want to move it on? Uh, specifically, like, this is other character development stuff and we kind of touched on it a second ago with Kank in the, in the sphere. Mm-hmm. I really like that most of the kids' fears in Quest of the Skeleton Warrior are really existential. Like, yeah, it's really interesting. Like Sheila, Shayla's afraid of being alone. 
Diana's afraid of being old. And Bobby's afraid of being treated like a child for the rest of his life. There's uh, Extreme Ghostbusters touches on that because they have a fear demon episode. Oh. Uh, and a lot of the fears in that are also esoteric. Yeah, I'm glad that, like, I whenever I heard that they were going to face their deepest fears, I was immediately expecting, oh, someone's going to have spiders or yeah. something. Like, as as you, as you'd imagine from a, a cartoon of this time, but none of them had anything like that. Yeah. Presto's fear was his magic going out of control. And Eric's was about as shallow as you would expect. Yeah. I don't remember his. It was, he looked like a monster. Oh, right. Yeah. His vanity. He's he's vain. Yeah. It's about as shallow as you would expect he's from Eric. He's literally Reggie Mantle. I really can't stress that enough. Yeah. Yeah. But um the other one was um <sighs> fuck. Uh in oh, Okay, before I get on to um that you Tell me, I I, met, I talked about why I liked Midnight, uh, City at the Edge of Midnight. Why, why do you like Day of the Dungeon Master? I just think it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting take on that usual, like, let's swap places for a day. See, the, the Freaky Friday thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's an interesting take on that, where it's not like some, like, fate of, uh, like, some, like, accident of fate. Uh, causes them to switch places. It's literally like, oh, you think you could do better than me? Huh, right. Take a shot, buddy. And you yeah. see that too sometimes, but I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting development on both Dungeon Master and Eric. Yeah. Again, if this this show were made now, Eric's character development would stick and he wouldn't have to go back to status quo status, you know? Yeah. Because this episode could have definitely been, like, the end of a character arc for him. Yeah. And the start but, of a know, new one. <laughs> yeah, the start of a new one. But, or, you know, it, I don't know. But I think that, objectively speaking, I see why Dragon's Graveyard is the number one rated episode. Yeah, that shit got real. It got re. It got super real, like super fast. Like they're just like, no, fuck you, Dungeon Master. We're done with it. Give us a straight fucking answer. And also, we're gonna fucking kill our villain. Oh man. No if ends are but. I mean, I and it the, re- uh, it felt like a finale. It did feel like a finale. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was that it. It did a thing that I wanted them to do. Like I'm, I'm glad I saw it. Was after they were so close to getting to the portal again. They were not all, not all only frustrated, but it was like Bobby finally said the thing I wanted the kids to say was he missed his parents. And I'm like, there it is. <laughs> That's all I wanted. You kids are like the old like you. Eric and Hank are the oldest, and they're only fifteen. You're babies. Yeah. You wouldn't think it'd be hard to capture the fact... Well, I mean... I... We have to come at this from the perspective of a little kid, though. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't think a little kid would enjoy that part of it. They'd be like, what a baby. Yeah, fair. Because that's how I would have reacted when I was a kid. I, I was thrilled at any chance to be left alone. To be yeah. alone, to be on my own, to feel like an adult, to feel free and stuff like that. Um, Honestly, you could have explored that with Bobby. Yeah. Like he starts off really, he starts off really gung-ho, but at a certain point, he's like, I just miss my mom and dad. Yeah. Like, like I, I see the character development. I see it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I really I really how close they got to actually killing him. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like it was. You know what's yeah. interesting, actually? Um, going back to our idea to remake. Yeah. I don't think they even have to throw away what they have from this show. No, they don't. Uh, like, it could literally just be a continuation of this, even considering the uh, radio play, the way the radio play ended, because they don't actually go home. I mean, it's implied that they'll go home. Really? Because I felt it was implied that they decide we can go home when we nope. want now. Let's have some he, more adventures. He, le he left the decision up to them. Yeah. And it, I felt it, I felt it was implied that they they left, but you know, it's it's open to interpretation. I think. Yeah. I interpreted that they didn't go home. That they're like, he's they have their anytime ticket. Let let's have some more adventures. Let's let's do some more good. Yeah. Um. Which I think is the subtle overarching theme of the show. Yeah. Uh, but back to my point. Um, they could literally just continue this. They just would have to recontextualize it a little bit, I think. Maybe. They could keep it being an 80s, like set in the 80s. They don't need to change that. Um, I just feel like they need to update some things for modern audiences. You just take this concept and do it over and just have more modern writing sensibilities and character development, and you'd have a really good show. Yeah. That, and also, I think... I don't want... I, I don't want to... The phrase adult animation has a lot of weight and baggage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what I'm saying here. I just think it needs to age up with its audience a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, this did the bare minimum to be like a fun children's cartoon. It doesn't need to be adult animation. In fact, I don't want it to be. I just... The way... Okay. The way... Avatar The Last Airbender aged up with its audience. The tonal shift from yeah. season one to season three. Yeah, yeah. And then into Korra. Like yeah. Just have it closer to season three ATLA on the maturity yeah. level. That's... No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to be very clear that I'm not saying make it an adult swim show. Just respect um. the audience a little more. Also, we got some hints at the finale in gra the Dragon's Graveyard. Yes. When Dungeon Master said, Rise, my son. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking that during the, the radio play. There's also another episode that wasn't on this list where um, Dungeon Master says that he mentions that Venger 
Uh, let me see. I think it's actually let's sit here. Scribes and the forest. In the treasure of Tardos, uh, he describes as although it's hinted, it's basically hinted that Dungeon Master, he 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 knew Venger when he was good, and that he considers Venger his greatest mistake. Interesting. And that sort of, again, is hinting again at the the ending with Requiem. That's very interesting. Uh, which I think, which is I think, is another thing that could have been handled really well and done excellently in a more with more modern sensibilities in writing. Yeah, not even it doesn't necessarily have to be more modern sensibilities in writing. It just quality. Not. Yeah, quality is a good way. I was just gonna say aging up the audience shift a little bit. Just, just better writing. Yeah, just better writing in general. Because there's stuff in the '80s that could do stuff like that. Just you don't usually see it in children's cartoons. <laughs> yeah, but um, the, and that's the uh, the, there and those are the, there's like the couple of hints to that, uh, which is. I think it's neat that they hint at the actual ending. Yeah. Doesn't so it doesn't completely come out of nowhere. Yeah. I do like that actually. It, the radio drama is so interesting because like. I was not expecting to enjoy it, much yeah, like the neither. rest of the series. <laughs> but I rather did enjoy it, especially we watched it on YouTube where the video had like a comic component to it. Yeah, which was I think uh, it it was neat. Yeah. Um, and I actually really liked the the voice of the narrator. The narrator, yeah, he did a really good job. Uh, I don't know it, who recorded it, but yeah, I don't, I don't know either. And it, it is a shame that it didn't get fully animated. But I'm glad that the people who love the show got to actually get that catharsis of seeing the ending. Yeah. Because it's sure. a Samurai Jack situation where the ending is so obvious, but you just want to see it just for the catharsis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, do you have anything else to say? Nope, I think that's, that's a good summation of our feelings. Okay, cool. Uh, I got nothing else to say either, so uh, sit tight. I'm going to take a quick break, and when we get back, uh, you know, ready the dragon slave, because we're heading into Slayers. Avenger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, back to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. Where monsters rampage, I'm there to take them down. Where treasure glitters, I'm there to claim it. Where an enemy rises to face me, victory will be mine! And welcome back again to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I am still your host, Laser J, and still with me is Kaiju Emperor. Say hello, Kai. Hello. Hello, indeed. Uh... Anyway, anyway, so, uh, yeah, Slayers. The Slayers from 1995. Slayer. uh, so, Slayers was originally, like a lot of anime, and, I mean, still to this day, based off of a light novel. Yes, but 
That light novel was based off the tabletop RPG adventures of the author and his friends. Dungeons and or dragons. I actually think it was a different one that was more popular in Japan. Because it got... It might have been. It got an official release as an expansion to a Japanese tabletop role-playing game system. Yeah, um, it, the original series was written by Hajime Kanzaka and illustrated by Rui Arezumi, and the series is still going. Yeah, uh, the the light novels are. Um, yeah, the light novels. The anime has since ended, and I believe the manga adaptation of the anime has also since ended. Yeah, the last anime was 2007, 8, around there? Ended in 2009, yeah. But yeah, it was around that time. Yeah, around the time we were in high school. Yeah. Uh, Just to date us a little more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we watched the so, English dub. Yeah, uh, um, all 26 episodes of the original series. Yes. Um... You know how much, like, it's really funny, because I was the one who was really gung-ho about D&D, and then I was like, and you were like, oh, I like this better than I thought, and you were really gung-ho about Slayers, and I ended up liking this better than I thought. Yeah, um, like, okay, I was less enthused about Slayers than I, okay, here's how I got introduced to Slayers. Mm -hmm. I'm 11 years old. I have a cable modem. And my parents leave me home alone a lot, so I get to do just whatever the fuck I want on the computer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and most of that is just me Google image searching shit, like anime shit. Yeah. But I take particular interest in, uh, let's just say I'd hit puberty at that point. Oh, I see. And uh, I like the big titty anime girls as a middle schooler. Fair. And actually, this comes, this brings up an it not an issue, but an interesting point. The character I most associate with this series isn't in the first season. <laughs> oh, uh, really? Uh, Naga the Serpent, I think, is her name. Hmm. Uh, I, I thought she was, like, the main antagonist of the series, or, like, Lena's main rival. Interesting. And she's just... Yeah, here, I'll... Oh, no, I, oh, I, I'm looking at her right okay, now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she... she God, big Ojo-sama energy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Lena mentions having an older sister. I wonder if she's her older sister. Possibly. Possibly. Uh... But the the main antagonist of the first is of at least this series was Rezo. Rezo. Yeah. Um but yeah, so back to So yeah, I uh my introduction to Slayers was I found this fan comic that was telling the story of Hamlet like the cast of Slayers is putting on a play of it. Huh. And that was both my introduction to Hamlet and Slayers. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, early 2000s internet, specifically like fan sites and fan rings, were interesting. Uh, so, let me get my one major gripe with this series out of the way. Go right ahead. That's... It's not as bad as I thought it was going to end up being. Mm -hmm. So thank God for that. But the two main characters, Gowrie and Lena. 
It's like there's like oh there's some heavy, there's some implications about a romantic thing, but neither of them ever do anything about it. Yeah, which but, I I think is honestly the only saving grace. <laughs> which is the only thing that which wouldn't be bad if it weren't for the fact that Lena's like fourteen years old and he's twenty two years old. Yeah. Um. Well. Okay. Here's my take on it. Mm-hmm. They never act on it. No, never. So ever. They're, I am, they're both too stupid. Yeah, they're both, both too, too stupid. stupid and stubborn, and they get more. They get way more friend vibes. Yeah, for me, honestly. Same. I think they have an interesting friendship. Um. Yeah. The at the end of the series, they introduce a character that is obviously romantically interested in Gallery, and I think. I'd honestly prefer it if they, if it went that route. Yeah, from from what I understand, um, as the series goes on, everybody does get older. Yeah. And near the end of this, by near the end, Lena is eighteen, and I think that's when they actually start to try and do the the romance. But I'm not sure. <sighs> I I don't like that any I, better. I I don't I don't like that either. But it's better than yeah. You know. Um, because, okay, so here's what I don't, because, okay, we could only talk about the first season because that's all we have context for. Exactly. So in the context of the first season, they never act on it. And Never. I don't think there's inherently an issue with someone having a crush on someone older than them as long as they don't act on it. Yeah, because that's what happens sometimes in real life. Yeah. I had a crush on a teacher when I was in high school. It happens. Yeah. Now, granted, she was a young... She was, like, second or third year teaching. She was in her mid-20s. But even so, that's inappropriate. I never fucking did nothing about it. Well, yeah. Because I'm not... I'm not like that. I was also expect, and I was also expecting way more fan service, and I'm like, yeah, I'm glad there wasn't hardly any. Well, um, it's, that is it's actually there. where I have issues because I uh-huh. really uh-huh. Lena does the narrative doesn't so much sexualize Lena, but the camera does. Yeah, just a little bit. The shots linger on certain parts of her anatomy just a little too yeah. long. For comedic effect, comedic, I say. Not even comedic, just like there's no reason why when she's charging her magic, it has to focus in on her breasts that much. Yeah, I didn't notice that specifically. I noticed it for the comedic stuff. I f- I try to pay close attention to camera angles, to like shots pick this- that are used. Mm-hmm. Um, you have more of a theater background. I have a TV production background. Oh, okay. uh, so I pay more attention to cinematography. I pay attention to cinematography, just like not all the time. Yeah, and it's only when it's only when it's actually like, you know, I I if I, I find the cinematography interesting. I I I I pay more attention to cinematography in every way, just how it chooses to view the character. How it chooses to portray the character because it says a lot more about not just the character but the director's view of the character. Yeah. Um, and the camera really sexualizes her, not just in the comedic bits, but just in the way it lingers at certain points. 
Yeah. Um, and that's my major issue with the show. Those are those are my two major beefs. Yeah. And those are our I think our that's really my only major beef. And that's while it it's it sucks, it's mostly ignorable, mostly. Yeah. Um I don't want to downplay those two aspects. No, I, that's why that's why yeah. I wanted to mention since it, since they were our only real major issues, that's why I wanted to get them out of the way, mention them at the top, and just like that's. But I say that straight up. Yeah, you know? but I also like I don't want to say these are two major issues and just say, yeah, but you can ignore them. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I, I it. They are major d- issues. D- d- I think they are major issues. I think even with those, though, it's still an enjoyable series. Yeah. Um. I, it. Every. I always say this, everybody has their own tolerance for different types of things and how much you're willing to reconcile certain certain things to enjoy something. Exactly. You, specifically entertainment is up to the individual and it's, you know, it's it that's a whole conversation, but that's just my general, and there's obviously exceptions to, you know, being able to excuse certain amounts of things, but that, it's a case-by-case basis and I'm not, that's, but by, by broad strokes thing is... yes. You know, I, everybody has their own ways, and some things bother things more than others to certain people. Yes, you know. I think though that the only reason it's still enjoyable, it, it's really tame compared to modern anime, the way or other anime or other anime of that time. Some other know. anime of that time, like ninety five. Well, Ron Mahat. Ron Mahat. Have you seen? Gunbuster was bad. I never really got to see Gunbuster. It's seen bad. It. Okay. It's bad. Okay. Okay. So it's full on, full on nudity okay. for extended periods of time. It's tame comparatively, but it's still present. I think that's the takeaway there. With, with that being said, everything else, I, I, again, I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed this show. Yeah, it's. A very good parody series because that's what it is. Yeah, it's mostly comedy focused. Yeah, for sure. um, even though there is a there is a plot and there are dramatic moments, yes, it is a comedy series. There is a plot. There are dramatic moments, but and this is actually a pretty common criticism of it. Uh, I, I looked into like audience reception, critical reception of it. A lot of people had the issues that it was more focused on entertainment and humor and not plot. Ah. Um, and that was its mo. So I don't. I don't know. Well, keep in mind this is right around Record of Lotus War. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um. Maybe I don't know if it's a little bit before or a little bit after, but it's there's a big fantasy anime movie. You got Nausicaa. You've got uh. Record of Lotus War. Those are the two ones that es- really strike out to me. E- Escaflona. Escaflona, yeah. Uh, so it people are obviously in a fantasy mood. But just because they're in a fantasy mood doesn't mean they want a parody necessarily. Yeah, that's fair. Um, now, I don't think it's fair to hold that against the series. No, I think it's, for the most part, it is a good is a good parody series. Yeah, it works really well because it's genuinely funny. It plays with a lot of fantasy tropes um, and a lot of 
just fantasy cliches and tropes and themes. And it does it in an interesting way. I think the entire series is best summed up in one line, which is my favorite line in the whole show. And that's from Zolgatis. When he at the end of the series, when Lena shows back up, and it's like, "What did you think we were gonna go? We were gonna go through this whole episode being all dreary." <laughs> he couldn't go through this whole episode being totally serious. Yeah, or something along those lines. Yeah, something like that. It 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 was. Yeah, it it was really good. I. Okay, I think one of my first notes on the show was, this anime is 90s as fuck. Yeah, it, there's a reason it... There's a reason I pushed for this so hard. And it's one of the big ones for anime nostalgia for people who were paying attention to anime in the 90s. It, it's, it's one of the most popular animes from the 90s. Yeah, it is... So many of the things we see from the early 2000s where they're making fun of anime stuff in western animation is you can see it in it's this show. full on display here it it's yeah the hair the the shouting of big attacks the like oh wow look at that technique whoa yeah the you know. like the two frame facial changes for like dramatic effect not dramatic effect but for like comedic effect you know what i mean the speed line the speed lines yeah the the stock animation it god lots of lots of stock animation yeah it it's it i'm not complaining no i'm not complaining either it's 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 of its time yeah i i just wanted to clarify to the audience we're not complaining it's, um, it's of its time and, and it's it's a combination of it being 90s as fucking style but also like the voice cast and the dub, it, it's, it feels like a big nostalgia trip in a weird way, even though I haven't seen this show. Yeah. Uh, let's just quickly go over the uh, American dub, uh, or English dub, I should say, cast. You got Lisa Ortiz as Lena Inverse. And she's most famous for being, um, you might know her best as Amy in Sonic X, and she was also Serenity in the Yu-Gi-Oh! dub as well. Yes. She was also in Record of Lotus War, interestingly enough, and Karikano, as I said earlier. And uh, Ger- Gowry is played by Eric Stewart, who is the most... Everybody knows him as Brock. Yeah. Like, it's immediately like, oh yeah, that's that's just Brock. Yeah, that's Brock. Like, that that was my thought as soon as I heard him speak. Oh, that's Brock. I didn't even have to look it up. And the, the princess, I forget her name, she's voiced by Veronica, Veronica Taylor, who is Ash Ketchum. Amelia. Amelia, yeah. Veronica, and Veronica Taylor was the voice of Ash Ketchum in, yeah. for, in the Four Kids dub. And then Zelgadis had two voice actors. The first yeah. voice actor didn't do a great job. It was a very stiff delivery. Yeah. Uh, Michael Sinter... Sinterniklaus? Something like that. But then he was no. replaced halfway through the series by Chrisman Freeman. Yeah. Chrisman Freeman... Who I... Th- he, oh, I was ahead. looking at the wrong. I'm sorry. I was that. I'm sorry. I was looking at the voice actor for Zelos, not uh, Zelgadis. But Zelgadis yeah. is the character I meant. Um, yeah. Give me one second to just find that other guy's name. Okay. Daniel Cronin. Um, okay. He had a very stiff delivery, and he's he's Zelgadis through the entire first arc, which. It- mm. 
Yeah, and then but what does I didn't care about Zalgadis at all until Crispin Freeman started playing him, and I don't Crispin Freeman's delivery and the way he delivers the lines makes me like Zalgadis more. Yeah, it, it's a better portrayal, I think, because his writing didn't really change, but like the the localization team didn't change too much of how they were writing him. I think it's literally yeah, just the delivery, the performance, it's the delivery, and it's, yeah, it works better. Like Crispin Freeman's voice works better with this really dry like sarcastic asshole character yeah also it just really helps that he's not stiff as a plywood board yeah you know um and then um uh, a bunch of other just miscellaneous people were in this that i that i caught like um jason griffith and dan green were also in this as tertiary extra voices yeah uh what was the girl they introduce at the end that has the crush on Gallery. Oh, um, the priestess. I can't remember. I can never remember. Sylphiel. Sylphiel, yeah. Uh, was Stacia Crawford or Stacia Crawford? You know, we mentioned we mentioned Zelgadis being stiff as a board, but the funny thing is, and that's saying something considering some of the performances in this show are also kind of stiff. Oh, yeah, no. A lot of the performances are stiff. It's early 90s anime or mid Yeah, early anime. anime early 90s anime dub it's it's really funny because this is before four kids happened so it's like why are all these four kids voice actors here it's because these companies like four kids and funimation and who whoever who do dubs now weren't really forms back then it's so it was like this weird grab bag of people that eventually would go on to be in these companies which is kind of interesting yeah um i just recognize a lot of pokemon voice actors just everywhere yeah, yeah, there were. Just like, oh yeah, I, I've heard that guy's voice in Pokemon. I've heard that guy's voice in Pokemon. Yep, for sure. It, yeah, it's um. But um, anyway. Yeah, the voice cast. Yeah. Um. Troy Baker's in it as Zuma. I don't. Oh. I don't oh he. Oh, we didn't actually meet Zuma because he doesn't show up till two thousand eight. <laughs> All right, well, Troy yeah. Baker's going to be in it later. Uh, oh, uh, Liam O'Brien was Rezo. God, Liam O'Brien, that was not one of your better performances, my guy. I don't... I feel like they changed Rezo's actor, too. Maybe. Ah, okay, copy Rezo's Peter Davis. Oh, so the copy had a different voice? Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that really is interesting. It's an interesting distinction between the two. It, um, it, I don't feel like that was on purpose. I feel like that was more like a he didn't want to come back thing. Yeah, it would it would have been really cool if that were intentional, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. But um, you mentioned how it's like it's not really D and D, but like there are D and D things in this, like you know. Yeah. How the wizard the wizard keeps spamming fireball. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wizard keeps spamming fireball. There's orcs. There's there's uh, trolls, and they have regeneration like they do in D and D. Yeah, it it's interesting, and casting takes time. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Orphan because Orphan has a whole thing where like they they have this big long epic speech before they cast the spell. Yeah, I still haven't seen Orphan, but yeah. Maybe we'll get to it. Maybe. The new anime is already out, so... 
Maybe. Maybe. Shabernigdo um, is a very weird name. It is, but I fucking love his design. He was fucking cool looking. Yeah, uh, he was voiced by Mark I, Thompson. Yeah, it's really funny because like most of the monster designs are more comedic, but some of the like the bigger, scarier monsters, like the dragon or Shabernigdo or the demon beast that possessed Rezo, have fucking really cool designs. Yeah, for sure. What I was gonna say was is the the D and D thing is this doesn't give me D and D vibes. This is this gives me Dragon Quest vibes. It does have strong. I, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I have a counter to that. Yes. In that they could have been playing Dungeons and Dragons, but I think it's more likely that they were playing whatever that Japanese tabletop yeah, yeah. game was which probably took more inspiration from Dragon Quest or vice versa or vice versa and also they were probably playing Dragon Quest as well at the time which probably influenced their D&D campaign absolutely you know because sure, Dragon Quest is huge in Japan um, but anyway yeah uh, hold on there's a Slayer's D20. Oh. There is, a, yeah. A role-playing game published by Guardians of the Order based on the anime series Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Central Park Media released the three seasons of the television series. Uh, Slayer's D20 was designed by Michael Lyons, David Lyons, Jeff McIntosh, and Anthony Reagan. Uh Featuring art by Jeff McIntosh. Hmm. It was nominated for 2004. Hmm. Oh, this is this is late. Hmm. Hmm. The game has no reference to any material found in the movies or OVA episodes due to licensing restrictions. Thus, there's no mention of the popular character Naga the Serpent. Okay. So maybe that's why we didn't see Naga. Because she's from the OVAs. Oh. That would explain it. Yeah. Uh, however, there are multiple sets of game statistics for the four principles of the TV series to reflect their advancement over the course of the story. Huh. huh interesting. Okay, sorry. Uh, back to the show. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um... What was I gonna say? I was I I was not expecting like a a plot. <laughs> Hello? You you there? Hello? Oh, sorry. Hello? Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can you're you you've been cutting in and out this whole time. Uh so it's okay. good that we're recording. Uh on yeah. the other thing also. <laughs> uh yeah. But anyway, um, what I was going to say was is that um, I wasn't expecting a plot. You I were? I, wa- I wasn't. Oh, you weren't. Okay. I was expecting more. Like, what I was expecting was more what the middle part of the series was like, where it was like the princess and them going on just random shit, like random adventures. Like, episodic adventures. That's what I was expecting the whole show to be. Okay. Like, I wasn't expecting, like, an actual plot. I was just expecting a bunch of, like episodic arcs that were not connected at all. Interesting. 
I don't know. Maybe that was just me. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I've fallen down a rabbit hole here. Uh, oh, God. Looking up Slayer's stuff. But yeah, um, I wasn't really... Ex- I, I, I was expecting lots of mini arcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no real overarching plot. But I kind of liked the way where it was just one big arc, then let's introduce the new characters, and then another big arc. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the the Shabardino arc, and then you had sort of this weird like intermediate arc where it was like the change to by the bounty hunters, and then you had the final arc with the clone Rezo. Yeah. Which they really they they worked is they all like it all kind of worked you know what i mean it, it didn't feel like they were disjointed or anything yeah no it, it worked it i'm interested i we're not going to visit the rest of the series on the show mm-hmm. um at least i don't see us doing it but i am interesting to see i might revisit it in my week segment uh because yeah i might I might check some more of it out, yeah. maybe. I'm just curious to see if it has that case where there's really no big cohesive plot at the start, and then it sort of develops one over time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Also, I found the name of the Japanese uh, tabletop role-playing game that I think uh-huh. it might have been in, uh, Magius. Ah, okay. Um, Magius. Yeah. Which was a popular Japanese tabletop RPG. I don't really. I can't find like a wiki entry to find out if, but it had an official Slayers add-on. Oh okay. Um, but I have no way of knowing if. Like, there's no wiki page for it, so I have no idea if it's the game that they were playing that inspired the light novels or if they were playing. Yeah. Cause the story I heard was it was dungeons and dragons, but that was on Twitter and they could have just said D and D as a stand in for TTRPG. Yeah. Some sort of RPG. Yeah. Pen and paper specifically. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't really have anything else to say about slayers. I don't either. Okay. Um, well, we're, it's going to be a real quick episode this week. Uh, uh, yeah, my audacity says two and a half hours. Oh, it's better than four. <laughs> listen, I'm glad we're cutting some of this down because that was the, that was one of our big complaints. Was it's like this? Listen, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, one of my friends actually listened to our last episode and was like, "Why is it so long?" Yep. Her biggest complaint was when that I admitted that classic muscle cars turned me on. Uh, which I, I think was a lot of people's major complaints. Yeah. <laughs> or anyway. would be if we had a lot of people listening. <laughs> well, we have most of it is our friends. Yeah, which is Yeah, that's how you get started though. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Anyway. Uh anyway. that's it for Slayers. Uh take a moment, take a breather, because we are two. And when we get back, we're gonna close out. See you then.
Now back to the show. Do you see how your patience paid off? And welcome back for the last time, everybody, to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I am still Laser J, and I am still joined by Kaiju Emperor. How you doing, Kai? I'm doing fucking great. This has been, again, I've, with the Slayers thing, I've, I was, again, I enjoyed it more than I thought, and Dungeons & Dragons was fun, so it was a good week. Nothing bad this week. Yeah. Um... Now, if I could just convince you to fucking watch uh, Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys, I'll be a happy camper. Uh. <laughs> You'll, I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch it eventually. I just haven't. Yeah, no, I, I just got. Yeah, no, it, it's. I should yeah. revisit it by myself to see if it's even worth doing. Got to bust my chops. Yeah, there was like a three month period when I was a kid that I was super into it. That's fair. It feels like it was a lot longer. But I know it has to have been like three months, because when you're in elementary school, three months is long. <laughs> Baby's first hyperfixation. Yeah. But, God, uh, not e- not even my first hyperfixation was definitely mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Knowing you, that sounds about right. Yeah. Star Wars was definitely the first, and then Beast Wars. Oh God, that Clone Wars episode is gonna be. Just us going on Star Wars tangents. Oh, yeah. God, that's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm a... Tra- try- Sorry, go I'm going to try-, hold- try to hold myself a little, but it's going to happen. Okay. I'm thinking... What what were we going to pair it with again? We were going to do the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars series with Primal. That's right. Both short, both Gendy, both heavy on visual storytelling. I'm on the fence about that because I kind—I still haven't seen the final season of The Clone Wars. That's a whole fucking thing, my guy. Yeah, and that's why I'm thinking just using the final season as a jumping off. Though the way we've been talking about using movies as a jumping off point for Shonen series. Maybe. Uh, doing that with The Clone Wars. But it's probably a better idea to pair it with Primal. Primal. It's probably one of the only things I could think of to pair with Primal. Yeah. And I really want to talk about Primal. Yeah. I know you but do. Anyway. I still haven't seen it. I I need to. It's good. It's, oh, yeah. it's so good. I know. It's going anyway. to be good. Anyway, uh, that that's conversation for another time. Uh, right now, we got to close up this show. We got to tighten this shit up. We're getting there. Yeah. Uh, so... If you have any complaints, suggestions, thoughts, or compliments, you can reach us at acmepodcastsinc at gmail.com. Throw me that email, bud. That's acmepodcastsinc at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Uh, and you could also hit us up at podcasts at podcastsinc on Twitter. And what's that Tumblr? That's uh, you can find us at acmepodcast.tumblr.com. That's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. Hell yeah! 
Uh, and that ass box is open if you also want to send any messages the there. Ass box is open. The ask box is open. The the emails open. The emails open. The butt base is open. I don't. We're all open. I'm just making up words now. Uh, we're open. We're open. We are receiving your input. I could receive an ass that, that just said "fuck you," and I was like, I would be like, "Oh, thanks." I don't know if your microphone's picking it up, but on my microphone, it really just sounds like you're saying "ass" and not "ask." Oh well, might that just might be my way of speech? Okay. Uh, I I I just wanted to bring that up because I've noticed it the last few times. It it might just be my way of saying "ask." Okay. It. it yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just, just wanted to. I don't know. Check. I just wanted to touch base. Okay. Uh, <laughs> touch base with the ass. <laughs> touch the butt. Uh, so yeah, that's how you could reach the show. If you want to reach specifically one of us, you can contact me at J-I-B-B-L-Y, J-I-B-B-L-Y. That's at Ghibli Ghibli on Twitter. Uh, that's my only social media that you can really contact me at. I am not on Instagram enough to really use that as a touch base, and I'm not even going to tell you what it is. But where can they get it, you bud? Uh, you can find me at Kaiju underscore Emperor on, t- on uh, Twitter. K-I-K-A-I-J-U underscore E-M-P-E-R-O-R. That's Kaiju underscore Emperor. And my current uh, handle is Gothic Horror. That's Gothic G O L. T-H-I-C-C Gothic uh, And you can also find me on Tumblr at Kaiju-Emperor spelled the exact same way K-A-I-J-U-E-M-P-E-R-O-R And if you like D&D stuff I also have a side blog on Tumblr where I post uh, homebrew stuff like I have some homebrew subclasses and homebrew magic items and you can find that at kaistome.tumblr.com K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E dot Tumblr dot com Alright uh, That closes it up for today's show uh, Come back in two weeks when we'll be talking about two other shows uh, Or two uh, movies or a movie uh, and a show Or yeah just two pieces of animated media uh, Yeah so, until then, don't be a jackass. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Over there? I guess. B-b-barbarian!